Skinning waves, fox beard, look is acting very weird. Captain Pike, Cisco's wife, Klingons, and the afterlife. Boimler, Tendi's dog, Ransom is very hot. Four drive, black alert, Giorgio has gone berserk. Beat your bad left, Edward is an idiot. Fuck is dead, Wolf is wed, Chekhov's wearing red. Data's cat, Kempex cat, Q has had enough of that. Beat me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We are Well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. It is Thursday, January 12th, 2023, and this is our 510th broadcast. So welcome to the show. Um, our phone number here is 646-668-2433. So please let your fingers do the walking and call Trek Talking. 646-668-2433 is the number. This is our second show of 2023. So welcome to 2023. I hope everybody had a safe and happy new year. As of right now, we have 121,325 downloads which is pretty awesome, actually. And uh, before we get too far in the show, I want to introduce to you three-fifths of my trucks first tonight. As usual, we have with us Charles. Charles is out in Las Vegas. How are you doing tonight, Charles? I'm doing all right. Getting ready to talk, enjoying talking Trek, except I didn't get to see any Trek this week. Lots I know. News, it's the but didn't get to see any. First time in... Uh, 49 weeks without new Star Trek? No, we had a little bit of a break before. We had a little bit of a break before uh, Lower Decks restarted. Yeah. It's just strange. We've been spoiled. That's what it is. We've been spoiled with all the new stuff on Paramount Plus that when they make us wait like this, it's excruciating. (laughs) And uh, we, we also have with us Eric from Portland. How you doing tonight, Eric? I am doing really good. Yeah, I'm I'm feeling the same thing. I was kind of like, well, where's my Star Trek this week? My new Star Trek. So, uh, you know, luckily, I'm always on a constant rewatch. So I'm back into season four of DS9 here, uh, which is kind of where I where I am as of uh, what uh, eight months into it or something. I don't watch a lot. I'm not a binger. So it takes me a little while to get through seasons, but starting over all the way from the beginning back into DS9. So that has been my trek while there's no more new track, personally. Well, you, well, you, you you did kind of get your hands on some new track. We're going to talk about that coming up next. So you kind of got some new track. Well, that is true. I got some pretty yeah. darn good track. Got pretty some pretty good. cool track to talk about. So we're going to get around to that in just a second. But before we do, before we, we uh, introduce our guest and we dive right in, I got to... Uh, take a moment to uh, thank our sponsors and let you guys know that um, alien con, I have a pair of weekend passes for alien con. I would absolutely love nothing more than to give them to you. 
That's right. I'd like to give them to you. But you have to give, you know, do a little bit of work to get them. So, Eric, how would somebody win a pair of tickets to AlienCon? Uh, well, the easiest and best way to do it is to just simply go to our website, trektalking.com, and down in that lower right-hand corner, uh, there is a little microphone icon, and you can just click that microphone, record a little message to us. It can be short. It can be long. I think Jim gives you a couple of minutes if you really want it, uh, and let us know who you are and why you like Star Trek, and uh, Jim will hook you up with some ticks. Yep, it's that simple, and we have a little promo here for AlienCon just to get your blood pumping. AlienCon is back. Join us March 4th through 5th at the Pasadena Convention Center for a weekend of exploration and meet your favorite experts from Ancient Aliens, The Secret of Skinwalker Ranch, The Unexplained, and The Proof is Out There. Tickets at TheAlienCon.com. That's right. It sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. You can find out all the information on the website. Just go to trucktalking.com. Go to the bottom where you see all of our sponsors and just click on the link and it'll take you right there. And you can find out all the information after you leave us a message, that is, so you can pick up your free weekend passes. It's that simple. So please take advantage of that. I'd love to give them to you. All right, guys, with all of that out of the way, we have a really great show planned for you guys tonight. Uh, We have David Steffen with us. He's the creative director and licensing director and uh, director of development. I think I got it all right at X06, and they're dedicated to producing the most accurate representation of Star Trek characters in one six scale format. Uh, They're developed by a true Trek geek. Each character is inspected with expert Starfleet precision. X06 works with industry-leading artisans and sculptures to capture iconic likenesses of each produced Star Trek character. X06 is in its own manufacturing establishment that was built from the ground up, the only produced one-sixth-scale Star Trek figures. And with us right now on the line, we have David. How are you doing tonight, David? Welcome to the show. David, uh, we we had David. We were talking Did we to lose David. Him? We were talking Did to we David. Lose? Yeah, we were we were talking to him just a second ago. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Where David? <laughs> yeah, and, technological difficulties. Yeah, he he's showing up as being on my board. I wonder if he's if he's nope. David is Walked has away. dropped out. He oh, must have uh-oh. been disconnected. Uh oh. Okay. Well, uh, we can't talk to David until David calls back, but that's okay. Because when when I got in touch with David, I asked David politely, I said, hey, uh, can we get a, a figure to review so we know what to talk about on the podcast? And can you David hear me now? Was gr- there yes, we go. There, there we go. There. I told you guys, <laughs> David, here. We I'd talked reconnect. to him. Sorry. <laughs> it's there. So welcome to the podcast, David. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You, so you want to tell us a little bit about X06? Sure. X06 was um, started by Nanjin Tam. He's a huge Star Trek fan. Um, he and I worked at QMX before making Star Trek 1-6 figures, as well as other licenses that QMX was working on. And once we left there, they decided uh, 1-6 collectibles wasn't for them. We opened our own company, 
went to what at the time was uh, Viacom and got the license for Star Trek. And that was at the beginning of the pandemic, apparently. uh, And we've been doing it ever since. So, wow. um, Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's been a long haul. It's been a little difficult process to get going, but we're on a roll now and we're got the best things yet to come. Now, uh, for people that are listening, I think most people are familiar with the Playmates figures, the three-inch figures. What what kind of scale? What would one-sixth uh, be? Well, How one-sixth big are we talking? Is, yeah, that's a, like a 12-inch or 30 centimeters. It's like a Barbie or G.I. Joe size. You know, the oh, Playmates okay. did, the, did their 12-inch uh, back in the day. Oh, okay. So that, so that it's a relatively large figure. It's a large figure. That's why they're they're more expensive. There, there's more opportunity to put a lot of detail, uh, especially in the fabric costumes and the accessories, and they're much more poseable. So they, we call ours museum quality, and we like to think that they would fit in any museum display as a, a perfect representation of the character. Now, uh, what are, the, are they made out of plastic like the Playmates figures, or are they, are they cast out of, out of a resin or yeah, no, it's the same material as, as a, uh, a typical um, Playmates, what they called 1-6 figure, a 12-inch figure. And it's uh, made of ABS plastic. The heads are usually PVC because so they, they hold paint better that way, with fabric costumes and then hard plastic <laughs> accessories, you know, like the phasers and communicators are made of a, of a harder plastic that stands up better. Oh, are they are they articulated at all? Can you pose them and move them, or do they come already posed? No, they're completely articulated. You can put them in any pose you want. You know, they can use their phaser or their communicator or their tricorder. Um, you know, everything opens and closes, and uh, the phasers, the type 1 phaser will come out of the, the holder, so you can use it separately. The communicator flips open. Um, everything works like you would expect it of the original prop. And you can display them with that, you know, in whatever pose you want to to recreate a scene from the show that you wanted to do. Wow, that's impressive. And uh, I know we're going to talk a little bit later about um, Mr. Saru from Star Trek Discovery, but I'll save that I'll save that for Eric. So, uh, with the other than Saru, what other figures do you have available? Do you have a large line or? Yeah, well, we're we're planning on doing. Nanjin is a huge fan, and he's he's driving the company, and he wants to do every crew, uh, the full crew from every uh, iteration of Star Trek, and then we we're also doing supporting characters. Uh, one of the ones we released this year, well, this year I can name him off. We did Q from the Next Generation in his judge's robes. Um, we did Saru and Michael Burnham from Discovery. Um, Last year, we did Janeway and the Doctor from Voyager. This year, we have released Tuvok, and we've announced Chakotay from Voyager. Um, We've also had – I didn't put a list together, but our first figures out the door were from First Contact, was Picard and Data. And we have got the uh, Captain's Chair from First Contact coming out soon. Um, The next figure to be released is Seven from Voyager. And then this year, we've got a ton of stuff planned from almost every different uh, iteration of Star Trek that you could possibly want. So we've announced uh, Archer and Shran from Enterprise. They've already been on sale. Um, 
and we have released uh, Cisco from DS9. We've announced Quark, and we've got a bunch more uh, DS9 coming. So, yeah, we're, we're covering the gamut. Anything you could possibly want from Star Trek, we hope to see eventually. I, I noticed an article floating around on the Internet the other day about Spock from Star Trek, the motion picture, in his Kulinar outfit. Is, is that your newest figure? Uh, that's correct. Yeah, we just at the end of the year released um, Admiral Kirk and Spock from the motion picture in what we were calling their arrival you know, uniform. So it's, it's Admiral Kirk in his Admiral's uniform the, and then Spock in his Vulcan robes. And we also are planning on doing Dr. McCoy with the beard and what they call the disco McCoy from the motion picture. Um, he'll be coming out probably later this year. So, yeah, that's, now, that's our the motion picture entries. Uh, do you have a Michael Burnham? Yeah, we released Michael now, Burnham with Saru, actually. They came out around the same time. Now, uh, so, is, it the, is it the Michael Burnham in the uh, original Blue Discovery uniform or is it the new red one with the long hair? Yeah, no, it was when we started Burnham and Saru, it was uh, back in it, their season two looks for them. So it's the blue uniforms, you know, and if, okay. if there's demand, you know, we may do, we may do other versions. And how do you, how do you pick, how do you decide who you're going to make and how, when you're going to produce them? Well, it's all a matter of, you know, what we think the fans are going to want. And we are online. We're looking and seeing what, the popular, you know, requests are, but it's also a matter of wanting to be able to cover like most of the crews for Voyager. We plan on doing everybody, you know, DS nine, if they're on the poster advertising the show, we will release a figure of them. You know, (laughs) that's kind of where we're going with that. Um, But then we're also doing random aliens, you know, like Q and Shran. um, And we've got a few others planned. Um, We also may be doing some statues, too, that are one six scale. They fit in with the figures, but they're not articulated. They're just resin statues because their costume or their design is too difficult to do, you know, as an articulated figure. Now, any plans for any Klingons other than Worf? Um, oh, that's something that we have shown. We When we were at Chicago la- last year, we showed Krug, Christopher Lloyd from Star Trek Three. So. Awesome. That is a very complicated, very detailed figure, but uh, we should be uh, putting him up for sale uh, pretty soon, probably right after Chinese New Year, we hope. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's, that piques my interest. Very proud wow. of him. He, he looks great. Uh, and another complicated one we're doing is the Emperor from Discovery, you know, Michelle Yeoh. So oh, that's going to be a really complicated figure, too. That's going to be very impressive. Yes, but, but Michelle Yeoh is incredible. I, I loved her character on Discovery. Yeah, so did we. That will that, and now um, because the Emperor and um, and and Giorgio are the same character, maybe uh, it'll be have an interchangeable uniform, so she could be the Emperor or Captain Giorgio type of a thing. <laughs> interchangeable. Well, if we do Captain Giorgio, it, it'll be down the line. It would be a separate figure. These fabric costumes are so detailed that you, you can't change them out. It's not like a Barbie where you could switch the costumes out. Oh, um, okay. I see. I see. Because you have to sew them in in order to get the right fit, the right look to the costume. Right. Of course, that, 
That said, though, our Picard and our Cisco um, do have changeable costumes. You can put them in their vest or their their captain's jackets um, and just have different varieties of ways to display them. Cisco especially, because we based his figure on um, uh, in the Pale Moonlight episode with, you know, he's, so he's got his out, his glass, and you can wear, have him wearing the full uniform like he is at the beginning, or you can have him in just his shirt and in the open vest like he, like he was at the end of the episode. So, you know, most of the time they don't have changeable costumes, but if it's important to the character or important to the look, you know, we make exceptions. Now, how long does it take from to actually produce one when you, when you decide, for instance, that you want to do Quark? Uh, how long does it take from the time you guys decide him to do him to the time when people are ready to see him? It it changes depending on the character. Um, like I said, seven of nine is, is just getting ready to release. She's our very first figure that went into development back three years ago. So um, it, it takes different times for different things. We were developing a female body since a lot of the bodies you can buy off the shelf to use for your characters for one six, but we wanted to have something that was very specific to her that looked just right for the character. So we've been developing that the whole time so that she took longer than most. Um, But then we've had some that have been pretty quick uh, like Harry Kim, you know, maybe took us, we haven't solicited him yet, but we probably will put him up for sale uh, at the beginning of the year sometime, you know, February, March. And he would probably have taken seven, six, seven months to develop and to get out to the people. So that's it. it, it like I said, it varies. It also varies from when we put them up for sale to when they ship, because everything's a pre-order with us it, for the most part. Uh, Kirk and Spock from the motion picture were ones that we just went ahead and produced and then shipped. But most of the time we do take pre-orders, figure out how many we're going to make and then ship them. So that's usually a four to six months wait after you order it before it gets shipped to you now do you have the licenses for the new shows like like uh captain pike from strange new worlds or maybe seven of nine from star trek picard yes we we do have um licenses from everything except prodigy so we can do anything we want from any of those shows yeah in in the one six scale format wow that that is that is incredible um, we had showed Pike from Discovery actually at Chicago last year. Yeah, he, I I love Captain Pike. He he is the man. Um, now I want to look. I want to let um, Eric jump in here because Eric is the only one who's actually seen one of these figures because Eric has Mister Saru in his hands right now. So Eric, you wanna you wanna jump in here? Well, yeah, for sure. I uh, I know that we're gonna play uh, the the actual bo- unboxing that Paul and I from the podcast did of this beautiful Saru figure. So I don't want to dip too far into that, but I will tell you that uh, Paul and I make a good pair because Paul is very experienced uh, in terms of toy collection. He has. Lots and lots of stuff in his cave, which is interchangeable with the stuff that he has stored away because he doesn't have enough room to display everything at once. <laughs> and uh, that includes some one-sixth uh, scale figures. So uh, he's definitely the more experienced one. And I'm the guy who, you know, I open my toys, I play with them. I don't really have that many um, 
I will tell you that I was completely blown away by the accuracy and detail of this figure. I, I really seriously feel like I didn't completely understand Saru's proportions until I saw this figure. Because when you're watching on television, you know, you've always got some sort of uh, camera lens thing that's happening that distorts the field of view, or you only see part of a person. Um, and it was really fascinating to me to kind of get the overall view of, of just really understanding, you know, how tall and slender Saru is. So um, I just wanted to kind of start by saying that. And then I'll just kind of dive right into some questions that we didn't get into in the interview, um, which I think I really want to focus around your team that's listed inside the box. So as we described, we you, know, you open the box, you slide the inner box out, and you have a list of credits on the back of that. Um, right. So I just kind of wanted to learn a little bit more about some of these folks and who they are and what their roles are on the project. Uh, so we've got your executive producer, Nanjin. Um, can you tell me more about them? Yeah, Nanjin Tam is uh, the driver, the mover, driver, financier for this entire operation. Um, without him, it wouldn't exist because he's a huge Star Trek fan. He wanted to do Star Trek uh, and only Star Trek, and that's you know basically why we're doing this now. Um, he is a, a U.S. and Hong Kong citizen, and he actually, when we w worked at QMX before, when we were making Star Trek figures there, one six figures, he would stay in China and do QC and supervise the manufacture on his own. And he's right now he's planning on going now that COVID is, is restrictions are being lifted in Hong Kong and China. He's going back there now to supervise this year's uh, slate of characters, which is going to be even more important because they're much more detailed. There's more things that can go wrong this year. So he needs to be there in order he, to supervise it. So he's kind of like uh, the, the master of the whole thing. Um, and then I, I support him with, you know, doing, I work with the sculptors and creative direct, you know, the different characters help decide what kinds of expressions are going to have and what kinds of accessories are going to have these kinds of things. So your sculptor, uh, Godwin Narona, uh, they must be amazing. I mean, the likes in the face of Saru's head here is just crazy you you see the the shading and the the well the painting i guess is one thing but then there's also just the shape of the thing like the way the nostrils have been sculpted and the way the ears work and the way the little tendrils on the back of the neck work and everything um just super duper detailed so um can you tell us more about the sculptor sure. godwin is one of our best uh, we have a number of sculptors all around the world they're all freelancers and we um you know, each one works on different characters, but Godwin did our original data in Picard uh, from First Contact also. Saru is a little unusual for us because it started off as a scan from the studio. Uh, you know, Paramount gave us um, a scan that they did of the character for visual effects. And so the sculptor can take that and there's still a lot of modification. There's still a lot of, of sculpting that they have to do to it to make it translate to a one six figure. But um, Saru is unusual for being a scan in the start. But, yeah, our sculptors, we, you know, go back and forth with them over and over again just to get 
the figures exactly right, get the expressions right, get the hair right. Um, and then once the sculptors have done it, then the studio has to approve everything. Sometimes that means going to the actual actors, sometimes not. And then they may have more in, input that the sculptor then has to incorporate into the final product. So, yeah, but, but Godwin is, is fantastic. We're very happy with everything he's doing. He's, he's done a lot of our different figures, but all of our sculptors are top notch are, you know, top of the line have worked for other professional companies and we're very happy with what they're turning out. And this one comes not only then with Saru's, but he comes with um, three extra pairs of hands. So you have a total of four pairs of hands to choose from, which if you do your math is 16 combinations that you can take together in different ways. And I will say that some of the expressions that are used in the way that these hands are sculpted are very Doug Jones playing Saru, just, uh, you know, the, the like fingers curved backward and the kind of like um, somehow he manages to be despite the fact that he's walking on these crazy hooves. Right. Um, right. It's, exactly. it's captured in the hands here and just the level of detail and seeing the veins and all of that sort of stuff. That's all sculpt related stuff. Would they give you extra scans for all of the extra hands and things as well? Or Yeah, we actually I do believe we did get scans for the hands for Saru. Okay, um, interesting. We, we include so many different hands for each characters, and we only include as many as are needed to handle all the accessories or to do a character-specific movement. Like a Vulcan will come with live long and prosper hand or a Vulcan neck pinch hand or a mind meld hand, you know, which you wouldn't see those with any other character all except for Michael Burnham, who would also do all three of those things. So Yeah, yeah. You know, the hands absolutely. are specific to the character, yeah. Fascinating. Uh, and then, so once we move beyond the sculpting, then we, we have to talk about the paint. So your paint master, Hadyu, uh, tell me more about them. Hadyu is, that's a, actually a company that um, is in China. That okay. The, and the paint master is created in order for the factory workers are, are able to match that. But the paint master, the, the paint master is created by a master painter to um, show them how everything should go, especially like, how complicated the eyes need to be or where, how they look, what colors to use, that kind of thing. So the paint master is very important in the final look. Um, of course, each one is paint, hand painted at the factory level by a bunch of different people using different techniques that we, there's masks they use that they put over the figure and then just spray paint, or they may have markers or um, decals. There's different methods used to get the final um, factory paint done. But yeah, the, the, we use master painters, again, freelance from all over the world in order to create the paint master for the factory to use as a, as a guide. I did not realize that there were different techniques being used here, paints and markers and, uh, you know, spraying and drawing. And I mean, it makes sense because, yeah. the, mm -hmm. I, you know, the, the modeling that is portrayed, the, the kind of three-dimensional quality that's lent by the paint job is really nice. And the one thing that I, that we don't mention in the interview that I um, just want to mention about the paint in particular is on the show, Saru has these piercing blue eyes. And I say piercing because they're in stark contrast to the, the color on the rest of his face. And that really comes through on the model. And I'll also say that when you put a light on it, the eyes 
sparkle. And they sparkle with this kind of like semi-translucent quality to them that just to me brings an amount of realism that I was not anticipating. As an inexperienced 1.6 model <laughs> collector, I was not expecting that kind of level of um, sparkle, realism in the eyeballs when you put uh, light on them. So I think that's really special. Yeah. yeah, it used to be with old, you know, G.I. Joes or Barbies, they would paint in like a little white dot that was called a right. Yeah. to kind of simulate that reflection. But now we use, you know, different materials of shiny materials and things in order to make it look more like a real eye. So when you shine a light on them, it will react like a real eye does. Yeah, we, we strive to go for that realism. Well, we have to talk about the costume on this character. Uh, I, once again, I mentioned in the recording something like, uh, I say three or four, but then I ended up counting like five or six different types of fabric in this. In fact, in fact, as in the same way that I didn't quite understand Saru's proportions until I saw this figure, so did I not completely understand what these uniforms look like until I saw this figure. Um, they're just like there are so many different textures and so many different sewing patterns and so many different um, like little tiny zippers that look really super realistic. So you have a costume production person here. Um, will you please help me pronounce Jiang Jin? Is that how you say it? Yeah. Again, that's, that's uh, a company, a company out of, out of China. Yeah. Well, um, this is great. I mean, this, this costume, as you were saying, they're all kind of form fitted. And to me, Nobody else could fit in this costume except surreal. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, the Discovery costumes presented quite a different challenge for us because ever since TV went to HD, you know, costume designers have put more and more detail into the costuming. And so all the little deltas that are on the side there are printed. You know, luckily you can do them in the computer and then shrink them down. Otherwise, you could never get something sharp at that size. Right. But yeah, that's in all the little zippers. They're not real zippers. They're just simulated to look like that because you couldn't get a, a real zipper at that size. Right. So, yeah, the, the detail is is something that we strive for and is becoming more and more difficult as the costumes get more and more complicated. Um, like the emperor is, is one of those that's very a very complicated costume with a lot of different materials used more so than a Saru or a Michael Burnham. Um <clears throat> But yeah, trying to figure out how to get the print on the costumes and to stay, because I understood it was a real problem with the real costumes that they would, those little deltas would rub off every time they used, you know, the uniform. So we had to strive to get that right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I could completely see it. Uh, that's fascinating. I, the scale is just, I love to see things that look so realistic shrunk down to such a tiny little size. Um, what what does your engineering person here, Jackie Wu, what does engineering mean in terms of 1-6 scale figure production? Well, Jackie is our, is our uh, factory uh, supervisor, and so he's the one who, who goes in and looks at the accessory and looks at the parts that the sculptor's created and saying, okay, this won't work like this, let's do it like this. That won't work like that, let's change it up. Um, he also helps us develop the bodies so that they work all the new bodies that we're doing um, for the, especially for females, but also we have our own male bodies now too that we're using that are all um, engineered so that the articulation works properly, that the di we have different chest sizes. We have different methods of connecting the necks, depending on the character and the uniform, you know, what kind of neck works for what they're wearing and what kind of character they are. 
So he does all that. He figures out how to make things work basically. Uh, and, it, and to, you know, if it's a, um, an accessory with a lot of parts, does it, does it have to be 10 parts? Can it be five parts? That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Bringing that kind of engineering eye to everything. Because I think the, the, you know, the studio gave us, for Saru's uh, phaser rifle, for example, I think the studio model was 65 parts, and I think we got it down to maybe 15. But that's tiny. That little three-inch thing is, you know, 15 parts is still a lot. <laughs> yeah, and you can really see it. We'll talk just a little bit uh, coming up here in the recording, but the the layering, I talk a little bit about how the layering in that phaser rifle cannot be achieved unless those parts are painted before they're assembled. Exactly. And so there's there's like a manufacturing challenge there that I see. I also am engineering adjacent in the work that I do. And there's definitely a manufacturing challenge that I see there in painting things and then assembling them. Yeah, Jackie has to figure all that out and what order they have to go in. He pretty much just uh, does does all that and supervises how they get put together. I mean, we're talking about these parts fit together so tightly that you have to account for the thickness of the paint on them when you bore the hole that is going to ha- slide through as you assemble the phaser rifle, right? So exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's pretty intense stuff. Little clips on the on the belts, the holes, the little tiny tiny holes in the communicator that you can flip open. Uh, lots and lots of really cool engineering challenges here. That as I look at this thing, I just kind of start to go, "How did they do that?" <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. um a real a real treat listen i uh i we are uh coming up upon a, a time where we have to roll recording to make sure that we have enough time to check in with you afterwards and and say goodbye so uh sure. i'm going to go ahead and pass the mic back over to jim for now uh, but thank you so much for chatting with me more about your team here um fascinating to know or to learn more about what they do and about the type of um care that's actually put into this product Oh great! Yeah, it was it was good talking to you. Yeah, and um, I've got I've got the as I said to you guys, Paul, our toy guy, and Eric had an opportunity to open Saru, and Eric recorded the whole thing live as they did it. So you you will get their first reaction just as it happened. So um, that won't be live. That's pre-recorded, obviously. But before we play that though, twenty minutes or so, um, I want to give. Charles an opportunity to ask any questions he might have before we play the first reaction um, clip. So, Charles, do you have any questions for David? Well, I think the only thing I've got are some ideas for pre-orders. <laughs> okay, go ahead. I, re- I got some characters I really would like to see on my shelf. And one is Sylvia Tilly. I don't think I'm going to get my ca- I, Captain Killy. But I'd love to see a Sylvia Tilly, and maybe a Sylvia Tilly and book and uh, not book. Um, oh, the cat. Grudge. 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 I would you can't have two grudge without book. Oh, one six grudge would be awesome. One six grudge would be. <laughs> Let me ask: Would you rather have Tilly, or would you rather have Captain Killy? Oh, oh, that's a tough you had to question. Do. You had to do. Yeah. Oh, man. I know. Sorry. I I, I go with. I I'm I'm gonna go off the off off the edge and say I would love a Captain Killy. Yeah. I, I, she'd display I really agree. well with the emperor. 
<laughs> yes, she yeah, was. Yeah, she was a great character. Oh, that would be awesome. Captain Killy all the way. Yeah. 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 Oh, and then saw her with the hair. Oh man, and that gold yeah. uniform for the first time. It, it's <laughs> like wow. <laughs> yeah, I'm a I'm a fan. I mean, she presents a a unique challenge because of the body type. Because we want to be accurate, we want to be faithful to the character. So, um, but I, I love Captain Killy. I would love to do that. I, yes, I don't know if it's on the books yet, but or if it will be. But you know, that's a great idea. And the hair—you got to get the hair right. Right. Yes. Well, we do. That's something that we haven't talked about. You guys aren't that into one six, but sometimes you have sculpted hair. Sometimes you have real hair for a character, even long hair. So it just depends on how it's going to look, you know, and getting the final aesthetic you know, over to the, to the way it should look. So you can't always use real hair. You ha- sometimes have to use sculpted. And we might do that since it's so straight and narrow and it has to be that way for Captain Killy. So, yeah, we're still deciding. And, and one, of, one of the characters I would love to see also on my shelf is Tilly. Tindy, excuse me, Tindy from Lower Decks. We don't okay. have any Lower Decks figures yet. One thing we're talking about with Lower Decks is, and this is this is exclusive new information for you, um, doing a new type of figure. It would be more, be more of a statue rather than an articulated figure, um, but it would be like a seven-inch figure from Lower Decks in a specific pose that was unique to their character. So I would say you've got a good chance of seeing attendee soon. I'd love to see the, all four of the characters, but I think Tindy's still one of my favorites in that set. Yeah. No, I, I, all four of them and, and probably more, depending on how well they all do. Yeah. Oh, especially eventually eventually get our captain and number one in there and our doctor. Yep. Yep. Yeah, the doctor would be a lot of fun. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Yeah, no, we're, we're big Lower Decks yeah. fans, and we went specifically to add to our license, so we've it's not just one six, so we can do this type of figure for them for lower decks, and so hopefully we'll have something to show pretty soon. I think. I can't wait to see what you come up with. Cool. Well, I'm also and, now curious about Eric's Eric's interview, Eric's uh, unboxing. Oh, we're we're gonna get to that, and I just I'm sitting here and I'm looking at at my autograph wall, and I'm staring right at Captain Lorca, and I'm thinking. We're talking about the Emperor. We're talking about Captain Killy. We got to include Lorca. <laughs> a whole Mirror Universe line. We got a whole yeah. line of Mirror Universe. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Discovery hasn't been the best seller for us. So I don't know how deep we would go there. But yeah, I love Lorca. Lorca's a great character. <laughs> yeah, when they threw that twist on us that he was from the Mirror Universe, wow, mind blown. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, um, I do have about a 20-minute uh, review that Eric and uh, Paul what, – when did you record this on Tuesday, Eric? Uh, just Tuesday, yeah. I, I went over to Paul's house and surprised him, and we did the recording in his uh, toy cave. So, um, you know, it's got a sort of classic toy cave echo to it, uh, but you can hear it pretty well. All right, so this is, this is, a, this is a live reaction video or – interview of Paul and Eric receiving and opening Saru for the first time, guys. It's about 20 minutes, so uh, sit back and enjoy.
Welcome to the Toy Corner with Eric and Paul. So this um, is a little package that arrived at my house the other day, and this is something that um, Jim and I have schemed just a little bit on. Scheme. We schemed. So I, that implies there's some nefarious... Uh, well, I don't know about nefarious, but I will say... Um, coordinated attack, so to speak. Okay. So, um, as you know, we have a special guest coming this Thursday. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I do know about that. And it just so happens that we may or may not have a sample. Oh, I see, I see. Excellent. Very cool. Of some product to review. Well, you know, so, that's the nature of the business, right? You're selling your wares as a sample. So wow. Here we have... Oh, excellent! A, Very cool. An Exo Six Saru. Uh, excellent. And so the real McCoy. I'm very excited to open this with you and just kind of see. So you think we should do that? I think we should do it. Okay. Yeah. Great. All right. Uh, I happen to see a pair of scissors over there. Oh, actually, no, I have even better. Oh, you got the Swiss Army. Oh yeah. Even better. Even better. All right, man. If that's what you want to do. I want to do it. I want to open it. Okay. Excellent. Entering the one sixth universe. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited about it. Like these figures just look amazing. The website, the amount of detail shown on there is stunning. Absolutely stunning. Okay, well we're going in here and the first thing I'm noticing, Eric Lawrence, yes. is that there is protected packaging, which is always, of course, something to collect collector Including plastic corners. Little plastic corners that have now come out of the box here yep. to prevent any dinging. Because if you're like me, gravity is your enemy. And I'm constantly dropping stuff and it's getting dinged. Well, and you send it through the mail and you never know what's going to happen to those corners. There's more corners. We have, we have eight plastic corners, one on every corner. So these are, these are pretty nice. They could be like greedles if you're a model maker, right? You could end up like totally attaching them to your, your you know, yes. fictitious spaceship. And yep. then there's like a bunch of uh, clear plastic mylar type stuff yep. surrounding, but clear. You can see through it. You can see our box. Oh my gosh. Okay. And fortunately, I actually came down here with my eyeglasses on. I had a pair just in Eric, case you did. Well, uh, <laughs> not long running. Magnified it up for me. Maybe not. Maybe not. Not for me, young fella. All right, cool. And we are looking at, right now here from XO6, we are looking at Commander Saru, 1-6 scale figure, in his box. It's a cool black box uh, with the Discovery uh, emblem on them. And the uh, side of it has something called the Starfleet Museum, mm -hmm. which I'm guessing is a XO6 uh, branding thingamajigger. Mm -hmm. I would guess so because uh, I believe on their website they refer to these figures as museum quality. Uh, cool. So Excellent. yeah, just an intense amount of detail on these. Very cool. Um, I noticed on the back side too, it kind of gives you a nice little preview of what's in the box. It does. Should we read the content? Let's do it. Okay. We have contents on here. There's a picture of uh, the figure and all of this paraphernalia and accessories and regalia. We have one six scale collectible figure with over 30 points of articulation. Heads with authentic likeness of Doug Jones in full makeup as Saru. Awesome. Detailed Starfleet duty uniform, as opposed to detailed Starfleet pajamas. That's an alternate coming later. Yeah, your smoking jacket, you yeah. know, for those <laughs> evenings with the Queen of Vulcan or whatever the hell she is. Um, uh, phaser rifle, uh, tricorder with holster, phaser type 1 and 2 with holster, communicator with case, multiple interchangeable heads. 
for those busy days. Yeah. And support base. Excellent. Cool. And what's nice is we have a big sleeve. Ooh, so it here. slides right out. And it slides open. And if you're one of those mitten box cats, right, with the plastic, you don't actually have to open it to see it. That's right. Trick, because there's a big clear window here that lets you see everything. And you can get a glimpse of it. It's a little, uh, he's got all kinds of uh, beneath the plastic uh, screen. There's a lot of uh, individual plastic covering everything to make yeah. sure he doesn't. It's, it's the nice thing you see, like companies like Figure Arts and uh, Mayfax often do, just to you know, avoid like paint smear oh, sure. and you know scuffing that happens during shipment from the factory. And if stuff the like plastic that. was so, actually to rub against something, it might. I like it because it's acknowledging that your uh, that your uh, customers are super anal yeah. <laughs> yeah. and OCD yeah. about their product, right? And we can see this one. Uh, on both ends of the box, and it's a mighty hefty big box, too. QR code on the back. Ooh, for instructional video about your collectible figure, follow this link. I'm going to go rogue. I don't think we need the instructional video. Not at the moment, but, but I But you I'm can see the protective tape yes. that's on there, right? So you know whether it's been opened or not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you really want to open this thing. Well, I know that it goes against your... It's right on your chair there. Um, it goes against your nature... Oh, it doesn't go against my want to crack it. Well, I mean, you like to keep things in the package. Well, I'm also, look around. Well, of course, I have yeah. an entire room I'm sitting in right yeah. now that's full of unpackaged toys. So. And uh, riddle me this, Batman. Do you see a one-six figure in a box anywhere, or are they all out of boxes? Uh, they are all out yeah. of boxes. I don't, have, I don't do a lot of one-six, because they take up a lot of real estate. Is that what are here? Yeah, this is one-six. Okay, so, so, like, you know. so just as an aside, he's got some amazing one-six figures here. He's got, he's got Decker. He's got Roy Batty up there. Uh, along with the the flyer, the police flyer, which I think the is... The spinner. The spinner. Sorry. Not, yeah. not flyer. Spinner. The spinner. That's pretty amazing. And then a whole myriad of different characters here on the second shelf. Yeah, there's kind of uh, icons of the 70s shelf mm. that, uh, you know, we, we won't get into that. No, no, no. It's a whole digression. It's could, a lot. Yeah. We could really kill a lot of time. Yeah. Here. So what I'm going to do, though, just to sort of uh, make everyone happy... Oh, and the credits are on the back here. Executive producer, director, sculptor. Uh, I almost like to acknowledge the sculptor. Godwin Nerona. Godwin Nerona. Oh, yeah. And paint master is Hayu? Interesting. Yeah. And executive producer, Nanjin. So very cool. All the dogs, they want to know what's going on. So just to sort of preserve the illusion of a new box, I'll open it from the bottom. That's what I like to do too, yeah. And there's various schools of thought. You can try to peel this to make it look like it's going to, but you know, I think you just gotta. I think cutting it is the way that it's cleanest for sure. I try to do it like that so we don't actually break the flap. There we go. There. You can tell Paul has opened a few toy boxes. A few, a few today, in fact, actually as well. And so now that this is open, I will flip this to make sure nothing falls out. So he's got it facing face up on his lap now, and he's sliding it out of the package. The package is really cool. It kind of has like a uh, carbon fiber look to it, like the. But then when you look very, very close, it's actually Starfleet emblem. So it's vaguely reminiscent, I think, of the Kelvin Universe um, uniforms that have that kind of embedded delta in the fabric. And what I would recommend is we put this on the floor yeah. here so there's less likely because i got to tell you, lately, gravity has been my enemy. Mm. If there's a way I can drop something and... Uh, a couple times I've had like been opening like these you know kind of micro machine scale figures that have like a one inch size figure, oh, yeah. and they inevitably bounce 
and slide underneath there. <laughs> never to be recovered. No, you over. They don't ever in my book. I just have to get them. I just have to find the right tools to spelunk. All right, so this is sealed very well. Sliding with a protective, uh, you know, kind of canopy over the top yeah. here with the plastic. Which is molded. Looks really there. Good. We take that off of there. Ooh, and you okay. can really get a look at everything really easily while it's inside here. Uh, and take a look at things, all the accessories. Um, he, Saru himself is still very carefully protected, even with like this kind of crazy uh, plastic uh, chin guard, if you will, mm -hmm. um, that's taped to the... Uh, to the box itself, and then once you've pulled the, and the chin guard even has like a little bit of foam, mm -hmm. which is great to protect that so look there's that. no That's damage so there. Nice. The hands have got like uh, individual, uh, I mean, wow, I mean, it's really wrapped on in there. Bags I don't know if we're going to want to take those off or not. We'll see. And then you can see the boots oh, yeah. with the, those crazy, um, the uh, boots. You know, a lot of things people don't know uh, about Saru, but he was one of his early work before he landed the gig on the Discovery, right? He was a Budweiser Clydesdale. A lot of people don't realize that. But once you see the feet, you really know, right? That this was a guy who, who you know, could really clomp and, and clomp well. But I am going to take off the bag over his head because it's just too serial killer-like to see him with this plastic bag over his head. Be free, Saru! Look at that detail. Absolutely, let's check him out. And uh, great likeness. The eyes have a little bit of glow oh to them. You see yeah. the pop. The color is amazing. The color is great. Uh, good uh, detail to the texture of the skin, uh, the coloring. Uh, the little bit of like dark spots that are almost sort of like evocative of like trill modeling that mm -hmm. you see there. Um, great indications of the ridges and the different layers. He almost looks like a head of cabbage, right, where you're sort of peeling off the different areas oh, there. Nice. You can really see the fine lines oh, behind the ear and then the back. Really, really cool. Look at the back with all the different layers and bumps oh, yeah. and kind of nodules that make up his head. The uh, slight... Uh, oh gosh, look at that little tiny detail. Kind of, of like, color, like yeah. a serrated worm. Kind yeah, of like thing that looks like a big vein. He's got those things that kind right. of come up but his just neck. Just slightly, slightly shoulders. serrated with a kind of a horizontal crossing all the way down. So really, really great. Um, head does full articulation all the way around. Looks up because if Saru is always looking up in curiosity at something, right? Or he's looking down, explaining something to Michael Burnham. That's right. <laughs> that is not how we do things with our cabbage potato here on the the planet I'm from. Um, really nice emblem. The badge it says like uh, I can't tell if it's metallic, but it definitely looks metallic. Yeah. Feels raised. Um, I don't think it's removable. I think it's hewn into the uh, the fabric of his uh, of his jacket. It's got the overlapping collar that we were used to seeing. They're really great quality if you look at this dude. The just texture really, on the really solid. on the fabric itself is really amazing. Like there's uh, there's at least three or four different textures here. You have the smooth texture that's the main field of the fabric, then you have those beautiful deltas, golden deltas. Along they are the deltas, aren't they? That's really sure. subtle, yeah. And then on the sleeves and shoulders, you have the more textured fabric that um, kind of gives those a little bit more pop. Uh, nice uh, rings around the shoulders here. Uh, the pockets on the pants, I mean, the pockets look amazing. There's so much detail in these pants. Oh, a totally different type of fabric here just above the knee, too. Um, it's funny because I kind of, like, looking at this figure makes me want to go back and 
watch the show again and see if I can actually pick out all yeah, these little, yeah, little different details. types of fabric. Yeah. I'm sure in 4K you can. In 4K, I'm sure you can. <laughs> so he's got some good weight to him, too. Um, I don't know how much this weighs, but it's 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 like feels hefty in my hand. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be at least a pound, right? I would think and so. I don't know, a little Velcro oh, yeah, for you the can, jacket. You can so un-Velcro his jacket. You can open his jacket. It's nice on there, real clean, so I don't want to change the lines of it too much. Yeah. But just kind of leave it simple, but it looks like it's really easy. You can open it and close it again with no loss of display feature. The knees seem to work. All right, let's do our balance test. The most awkward of all of the figures ever. Um, it was super challenging for me to get the Playmate Saru to stand up, but he, he will stand. Does he have a stand? He does, a really elaborate stand. Ooh. But it's always fun to see... You know, I try to see as you can see. It's you can half actually minor, get him to stand Half minor stand free. I see that. Yeah, I'm right. sure it's possible. It's just a question of what's uh, how much work you got to put so into that it. Funny, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, that was easy. That was easy. No problem. Well, look at him standing right up. Yeah. Oh, man, that's so cool. I mean, it's always risky because, you know, if he bumps into something, he's going to bump. Sure. If he falls, right? Friends in California living on the fault line. Well, we have a fault line here. So We do. And he's, you know, and his, like, uh, amount of area of foot that touches the yeah. ground is maybe a little smaller. And if too. a top-heavy, weird, awkwardly balancing figure happens to fall, he will always fall head first. Yeah. And you get to smash face. that beautiful face. So, uh, friends, I would recommend probably use the stand. you want to use your stand most of the time. Um, but it's a really great figure, great uh, likeness, uh, great articulation, moves really naturally. Nothing about it looks fake to me. So it's at 30 um, points, so it looks like the waist is turning and moving got, up and and he's got the what you like that ab crunch right when he's able to bend over like if he was going to pick a flower off the ground or you know do something i didn't even know they could move that way that was so cool ab crunch is huge so but uh but yeah he's got a lot of good movement here um Everything seems to be really uh, well articulated. I don't see anything weird at all. Only great and really great uh, detailing on the bottom of those shoes, too, with the gold inlay. And yeah, look at the wrinkles really, in the oh, boots. And look at the little zipper yeah. there and fastened with the deltas. I love it. Yeah. But that's more, not a detail I even ever noticed. On more the super detailing. Yeah. I think it should be an episode where we see one of them, like, you know, that's like, like in the Navy or the Army, right? They're sitting on your bunk, polishing your... Yeah, absolutely. Polishing your shoes. Uh, Mrs. Saru, it'd be great if you took your station, but I can, couldn't help noticing that your deltas aren't polished. <laughs> Get back to your quarters. quarters and polish your deltas, Saru. <laughs> Let's take a look at everything else in here. Um, let's see, we got we got all kinds of articulated goodness. Um, we have a phaser rifle that's in here. Yep. Very cool. Um, real and nice detailing. Layers, yeah, yeah, you got the layers. You see like a kind of a copper-looking long bolt slide that's inside there. So the pieces were painted before they were assembled. So this back thing oh, pulls out cool. a little bit. The stock the actually stock extends a little bit. Back, yeah. uh, again, delta on the sight. A lot of detail. Really nicely painted. No smear, no smudge, nothing uh, that I can see that isn't really carefully done uh, from the eye of the collector. I'm counting one, two, three, four, five, six hands. So three pairs of hands. And various kind of cool uh, Saru looking textures. And look yep. at that palm with the oh crazy gosh, ridges in there. That. Really great look on that. Nice detail there. 
Yeah, the veins on the back of his hands are so detailed and so... There we go. They just really the gun give grip, you a sense of what, how his hands the work. Nails. Oh, yeah, look at that. Yeah, looks really clean. Very nice. And then we got all kinds of uh, little details here. I couldn't help noticing, too. We'll go over all these in detail here, but then beneath all this plastic protective stuff, there's where the base of your base is. And yet, right? The hexagonal. Kind of like a transporter pad. It does. Is what like I'm and what's interesting down here is next to the silica gel, right, there is some extra stuff. And I don't know what these are. If these are spares, but there's a little. A uh, plastic thingamajigger with plastic stuff. They look like little clips, but I'll be damned if I can tell what they are. They look like they might be part of the stand, perhaps, but I'm really not sure. Uh, I know what there's. Oddly, next to them, loose, is a second communicator. Don't look at that. Just in there, it's loose. in the box. Yeah. Oh, the communicator opens. Oh, well, of course look it opens, and you can see the little screen oh and the little gosh. buttons and everything like that, but that's just like... A secondary one, and we've got another one here. I'm sure it has the same features. I'm sure it must be equally articulated. You're supposed to get that bonus communicator. I don't know. In there, huh? It's pretty cool, though. So it seemed to be the same communicator, but we got a bonus for some reason down in there. Could it be that one error at the factory bounced in there and fell into the uh, box? That's always know. possible. This seems to be a... It's a little utility kit that goes on his belt there. Oh, that opens. You can open it. That's for the fa uh, the communicator. I think it's like a it holster. It is. What did it say it was? Communicator with case. With case, yeah. And see, it's a little clip thing. I guess. Oh, I think maybe that's what these clips are. Ah. There is to attach it to his belt, perhaps. Uh -huh. That's my guess. Maybe one of those is Velcro? I don't, I don't know. But they're really wrapped in there, so I don't know if you want to go to all the Polarva yeah. opening that. But those are cool. This is like a tricorder holster, right? Same kind of thing. Like, so they don't have belt. a belt sliding through there. I mean, yeah. it's a belt. I, yeah, that's a good guess. It must be a belt. Yeah. It's just really wrapped in tight. And tricorder itself. Nice, look at that. Look at the detail. On Super that. good screenage. Oh my gosh. Yeah, really like a little great. graph on the screen and lots and lots of tiny, tiny little paint details. Phaser holster, and then there's the phaser. Wow. Great. That's got the. Oh, look, the front of it. Does it turn? It seems like it does. The, the thing around the very yeah, front. Yeah, it sure does. Yeah. yeah. And then does the type one? Whoa! Oh, it detaches. Okay. Oh, that is so the type cool. one phaser is held in by a magnet. Okay. Oh my God. Very securely, I might add, that is with so a cool. magnet. That's the money shot right there. That is outstanding. Oh my God. Kudos to you, XO6. That is a nice feature. That is an clicks, it clicks securely. Right into space, yeah. No question about it. That is great maximum play value. Very nice. Yeah, that is that is great. And this tricorder is awesome. I don't see any movable parts to it that I can see, but it looks super realistic with different levels. Everything looks metallic or hard rubber. It looks very photorealistic to me. A super crazy detailed screen that uh, you need like a microscope to even be able to read it. But it looks like whatever text and graphics are on that screen are super high resolution. I mean, it looks really, really good to me. Um, absolutely. Look at this little strip in the handle of the phaser. It's like semi-transparent. If you kind of wiggle it back and forth in the light, you can sort of... No, is that like your ammo? Reflecting. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's like your, out your, of, your, your out of charge ammo, yeah. 
Wow, that's really something. That's a very nice. Yeah, and again, the the the, the front seems to rotate, like if you're changing settings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pretty sure we've seen them do that. Yep. They did a lot more cool stuff, I think, with just the equipment and the uniforms and the gear in the first couple of seasons, mm-hmm. right? What I like to think of as like the Lorca era. Yes. It's, I really felt like we were on a really believable ship and there was a lot more imagination stuff and there's a little less of that now. It's true. I mean, at that yeah. time we were also exploring all of these new kind of technologies that we hadn't seen before from yeah. that era, which I thought was really cool. And, you know, we get to see different ones, I think, in seasons yeah. before. But love, yeah. the, love the show still, but, yeah. but those early seasons to me were like, they really were uh, making a statement. And stuff like that. So I think this is a belt. I think we should probably open it. All right. Just You're gonna to, need your knife, I think, for that. But just to know this. Let's we'll see. Oh, I don't know about that. Maybe not. Could be tape on here. We'll see. I think you can do it. Hold on, Smithers. There's. I know what I'm doing. We'll see. And then my tricorder reading says it's almost beer o'clock. hundred <laughs> percent. We may have to take care of that. Yes. Oh my goodness! Come on. There it goes. There it goes. Look okay. at you. Look at we got you. something going on. Yeah. I love to reveal these figures from our day. I think There's so. not a lot of these little big ones here. It does look like a belt. Let's find out what we got going on. Maybe. Oh, no, it's not. No, what they are it? little clips. They are some type of a clip. Huh. This one's kind of a, got some transparent thing that yep. fastens in there that almost looks like it would be, uh, I don't know what, that's, that's, uh, we're, this seems like it would be, like if I took one of these devices, like a communicator, for example, this isn't any fun at all. How cool would it be if these were magnetized as well? Well, you know what I would bet you? I would bet you that if we QR scan code. <laughs> this wonderful QR code on the back of the package, it'll tell you what to do. It would tell us exactly what to do. Well, let's yeah. just see, because yeah. it seems like there would be something that that you would do and that these would be somehow hooked up on here and whatever yeah and yeah so i'm not real sure about that but i'm going to put them here and i'll put saru back there and wow so i gotta say uh uh just for the record novice guy here um in the world of one six i don't collect a lot of one six uh what i have has been like hot toys sideshow that kind of stuff, and I was really unfamiliar with XS6. Right? Mm-hmm. Didn't uh, uh, I think I'd seen some ads in you know I don't know where Diamond Select or online or something for their stuff, but uh, but wasn't super familiar with them and had never seen a product before. Um, but this is extremely impressive, and it's uh, to not be just absolutely bowled over by by this is you know yeah is preposterous. So I, I'm giving this an A yeah, without absolutely. question. Um, super Super, super beautifully done, um, well rendered. Um, with I think you can't fake that kind of level of enthusiasm uh, and reverence for a product. I think you, this is something. My guess is that you know these are fans who are behind this. Mm-hmm. Is my guess. These are folks who have a great deal of like affection uh, for the property because I don't think you can manufacture this. You know, let's make great Star Trek figures, but oh, I don't watch Star Trek. I watch Yellowstone. Right. I, don't, I, don't <laughs> think, I don't think that happens, right? I think you really have to genuinely, legitimately love something to be able to make something of this much detail and quality and to think of things like, wow, I mean, whoever came up with that idea of the magnet 
on the phaser. On the phaser. That is just phenomenal. Yeah, that was very That's impressive. That's really cool. It makes me wonder what other little things like that I'm missing that I just haven't discovered yet. Yeah, it feels yeah. like you could you could really enjoy this for a long period of time. The quality of everything is really high. I love the fact that you can swap his hands on and off with three different sets, so plus the set that he comes with. He's got four pairs of hands available to him. And as you were saying, the hand gestures are very Saru, right? Um, just the way that Doug Jones uses his hands as Saru is, is unique, and there a lot of those gestures are pretty accurate. Yeah, he moves like a dancer. He does. You know? He really does, and yeah. everything's very expressive, almost yeah. like mime-like. Yeah. Like he, the way he—he's a very physical actor. He's very graceful, and uh, he's a very awkward-looking character who moves with great precision and grace. I think that's part of the yeah. the, the mm-hmm. you know, con- contradiction of him, and why people think he's so interesting because he's got all that stuff going on. But uh, again, this is just absolutely outstanding. Um, the joint, nothing loose with the joints. Everything's real firm and solid. So what that says to me is this is a figure that you can pose in like a jillion different positions and you're not going to, you know, you can make it look really dynamic. Mm-hmm. You want to have him in like a crouched, oh my God, yeah. Fraser fire Absolutely. pose, right? You can have that. You want to have him looking contemplative in a conversation with a flower, you can do that, mm-hmm. right? Whatever you want to do. It's just like this lends itself to all kinds of cool stuff like that. So uh, I guess what I have to say is congratulations, XO6. And everybody there at the the, the plant and uh, under the guidance of Nanjin and David Steffen and uh, uh, Godwin Nerona and all those folks. Uh, well done. You've made an incredible product here. And uh, the only problem is now we'll need to see more, won't we, Eric? We will. We will. <laughs> Get to be a venture. We'll see. But that's a knockout. That's a knockout to be sure. Incredibly nice. impressive. I think we should go drink to their success. Sounds good. Thanks so much, Paul, for oh, your time. That was amazing. Are you kidding? It was what so a, much what fun. A, Absolute treat. That was the uh, real surprise. I never had any idea that uh, this was going to be something that would be surprise popping into the <laughs> popping into the uh, the stronghold. All right. Well, good night, sir. Good night. Beat me out of here. Well, David, that was our very own toy guy, Paul himself, and his first reaction to Saru. What did you think? No, that was great to hear. That was that was. It's great to hear someone who has never seen one before experiencing it for the first time. So, I was very pleased about that. I, I would like to clarify a couple things. Um, okay. The clips, the clips that they thought were for the character are actually for the base, the black ones. All our bases are designed to interact. So the, they're designed as a transporter uh, pad, but you can use different inserts in them so you can make it look like the outside of the transporter pad or the inside, the center of the pad. So you get seven bases together, and it looks like a full transporter pad in the black clip oh, together. So cool. So And then the, the clear clip, you didn't find it, I don't think, is the autograph card gets displayed there. It was on the back of the packaging. And we, yeah. have, we include a little information card on each one, so for the actor to sign if you take it to a show or something. Amazing. Found later after the recording was completed. And, yeah, the transporter pad is really something special. And I definitely recommend uh, if anybody purchases these these um, products, definitely use the QR code, <laughs> which Paul and I chose <laughs> to ignore. Uh, but it does provide some great information. Yeah. Also, um, I think you missed on the phaser, the the uh, the clip comes out, the uh, magazine comes out, too. 
And oh, on the no tricorder, way. hold on, I'm gonna do oh. that right now. On the tricorder, there's a scanner at the, oh in the bottom gosh, too. Oh my gosh, it does. It comes out. <gasps> it's hard to get out, but it does come out. Oh my gosh, you guys, I'm gonna take. I've been sharing pictures along the way here with my Trexperts um, as we interview you, and I'm gonna send them this one. I had no idea the clip came out. And what did you say? The tricorder. The tricorder has a scanner out. at the bottom. Oh, it sure does. Oh my gosh, I saw the shape there, but I didn't realize it detached. Yeah. Oh my gosh, you guys! Wow, this is something so, else. Yeah, so I mean, there's a lot of detail going on, especially with the discovery stuff, because the actual props have that much detail. But mm. you like the use of the magnets on the T on the original series figures. We use magnets in the pants to attach the communicator and the phaser, so it looks like the Velcro that they used in the original show, but it it doesn't mar the outside of the pants. Mm-hmm. So you can just attach the uh, the utilities on the outside. Well, it was that small attention to detail in packaging that I really appreciated, too. Um, you know, we discussed a little bit in detail the little chin guard on Saru, the little piece of foam that's attached to a little piece of plastic that tapes it in place. To me, that's the kind of extra care that you get when you're buying a figure of this caliber. Yeah, you don't want any paint rubs to happen when it's being shipped. So that's we try and take extra precautions so nothing happens to the figure in, in transport. Awesome. Well, it was really it was really a, a treat to review, and um, as you can tell, our toy expert. Hopefully, he'll be on here. Maybe maybe not. We'll see. He had some family stuff going on tonight, but uh, uh, he was duly impressed, as you can tell. And I certainly was flabbergasted by the quality of the product. So, well done. I'm glad you were pleased. That's yeah. what we like to hear. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I posted um, I posted the article on the new Spock in the Culinar arrival outfit on our Facebook page as well. Okay. So, so oh, good. So people can get a, Jim, see what it looks like. The other thing that I definitely wanted to mention to that Paul had mentioned to me was that um, he feels that the that the price point on these figures is really really fair. Um, figures of this quality often go for um, you know twenty to fifty percent more than you guys are charging for them, and so he he was just impressed by the fact that you can offer this much detail, this much paint, this much quality um, at the price point that you have. So uh, kudos on that as well. Well, thanks. Yeah, we strive to, to keep them within a reasonable price range because, you know, the Hot Toys are getting up there in the $300 range, and uh, we want to keep them a lot more reasonable. Although, you know, it, depending on the figure, some of ours will, will probably crawl up there. Locutus was two forty-five dollars um, that we have solicited already. And, you know, Krug and the Emperor may be a little bit more than that. Well, pro- definitely will be more than that. Yeah, but yeah, we 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 want to we pass along any you know we don't mark them up a huge amount. We want to make them accessible for all Star Trek fans. Very cool. Wow. All right, Jim. Well, I I just want I don't know if you were aware of this or not, David, but um, I'm gonna be, I'm working on a convention Trek Long Island in May. And maybe you guys might want to think about reaching out to Edwin and Stephanie and having a, a table there to display all this, all these great figures. 
Yeah, that, that's something you... we should think about. We, we were planning on being in Seattle for the official thing that was canceled. Um, so that that uh, may be a possibility. Being a Portland uh, happened because I was so ready for it to be next door. Yeah, I, I mean, it was just something to throw out there. I know, I know that Miko's going to be there with their figures, but they're they're smaller figures than yours, obviously. Right. And uh, you know, and then I get a chance to meet you and see them in person <laughs> instead of looking at all these these awesome pictures with that Eric has been kind enough to share with us as as these points came up in their review. I might also make the suggestion of going to the mission the mission year fifty seven, better known as Star Trek Las Vegas. I think you'd be a hit at that show. Yeah, we we talked about yeah we talked about that last year, um, but we had just been at Chicago and pretty much shown a lot of stuff uh, at that that show, so we didn't really have anything real new to show for Vegas this past year. But yeah, it's a possibility that we could be there too. Yeah. Yeah. I think the more, um, the more exposure that you can get, I think the better off, you know, things will be. Yeah. We want to, we want to get in front of Trek fans. Um, you know, we, we're pretty much familiar. The one six collectors pretty much know who we are, but getting in front of all the Star Trek fans is, is, a challenge sometimes. And it's, it's interesting to hear, you know, someone like that Paul that hadn't known about us, even though he was a collector. So, you know, we, we want to make well, sure that we get <clears throat> exposed to everyone. I noticed your factory's closed till February 3rd. I guess I might have to look around for a third party, but I would love to take one of these figures to, to uh, one or two Star Trek clubs and show it off. Yeah, no, that I would. Bet they would be impressed. Yeah, no, I, I would love to get things in front of them. We've got some things in in the states uh, samples that we might be able to to send along, but yeah, most of our stuff is in China, you know. And we most of our things also sell out pretty quickly. We do have some of the older older figures in stock, but not that many. Well, luckily <laughs> for us, you had a Saru. So that worked out. Yeah, that was great. That was that was good. Well, David, I I can't thank you enough for supplying us with a Saru to review and for taking time out of your busy schedule to come on and talk with a bunch of Star Trek fans. We really really appreciate it so much. That's great. I I appreciate having me on. I just wanted to, uh, you know, let the fans know and everyone know that 23 is going to be a big year for us. We've got. Uh, what is probably going to be our most popular line coming out with the Wrath of Khan. And we'll start soliciting with Spock uh, probably right after Chinese New Year. So, and then we're going to have a bunch of stuff from, from the Wrath of Khan, which I think people are going to be blown away by. Very impressive uh, figures, I think. So, Now, uh, we, didn't, we didn't mention this yet, but um, if fans are interested in pre-ordering any, any of these awesome figures... Uh, how would they go about doing that? Where would they find you? Uh, you can order from us directly at xoexo-6.com. Um, and we have most of the older figures, or some of the older figures in stock right now. Um, and then we're most 
collectible vendors have us, you know, like Big Bad Toy Store, Sideshow, places like that. Excellent. Excellent. Well, uh, Eric, did you have any more questions or comments for David? Nope. I think that's it, David. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate uh, your participation and really appreciated being able to talk about these most excellent figures here. Well, thank you. I appreciate you showing such enthusiasm opening up Saru there. <laughs> what can I say? I'm impressed. <laughs> great. Glad to hear it. And uh, how about you, uh, Charles? Did you have any other comments or questions for David? No, just, oh, there goes my shot. There goes my Trek budget again. <laughs> <laughs> As it is with all of us. You're going to have to yeah. choose, you know, find find the franchise you like the most. Uh, I think yeah, maybe Rathacon for a lot of people, so. Nice, yeah. I like Rathacon, but I really, I think, might look toward Discovery. Yeah, I like Chilly. what they've done with Discovery. <laughs> Captain yeah, Chili, Discovery is pretty popular, and uh, you know, there's always other shows too, other new shows that may have some yeah. offerings coming up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like yeah, like, that. Yeah, like maybe a, a engineer Hemmer from Strange New Worlds, maybe. Oh, that would be cool. Wouldn't that be yeah, cool? We're, we're huge fans of Strange New Worlds. You know, so. Awesome. I'm not going to be out. We shall see. But we've got a lot of stuff in development. A lot of stuff. Although I do like Charles's idea of a grudge, though. A booker and a grudge. That would be awesome. That would really be awesome. (laughs) 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 All right. Well, uh, thank you so much, David. We really appreciate you coming on and sharing some of your future products with us and, and chatting with us. Thank you so much. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks a lot, David. Good night. Good night. night. Thank you. Uh, All right. That was David Steffen from X06. You can head over to X06.com and you can check out their awesome line of figures and pre-orders and uh, tell them the trick talk and send you. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. All right. So we did the show a little bit backwards tonight because we had a guest star, um, a guest with us tonight. So now we're going to go back and, and to the beginning again, and uh, we're going to do our fan shout-outs. So uh, to be a fan shout-out, all you have to do is go to our Facebook page, which you can easily access through trucktalking.com. In the bottom right-hand corner, you'll see a link to our Facebook page. Just go there, and at the top of the page, you'll see a Live Long and Prosper pin there asking the question, where are you guys listening from? And just drop us a message, and if you see a heart next to your name from yours truly, Uncle Jim, then that means your name is going to be featured in a fan shout-out, and you're going to want to tune in so that you can hear your name. You'll be immortalized for all of time as not only a Star Trek fan, but a fan of Trek talking. So, Eric, you want to get us started? I definitely do, Jim. Uh, Our very first fan shout-out this week goes out to Marnie Watkins, who is saying hello to us all the way from Bristol in the United Kingdom and sends us a little Union Jack here. Uh, Hello, Marnie. Thank you so much for listening to us and for carrying that flag for us just across the pond. We really appreciate it. Live long and prosper to you. We're also saying hello this week to Werner Straub near Freistadt in Austria. Uh, Austria, man, that's one of those countries I really, really want to go to. And Werner, um, it, 
seems to me that it must be so beautiful where you live. I don't even know how you spend time listening to the radio, but you do. You support our podcast, and we really appreciate it. So thank you so much. We're also saying hello this week to Jill Suyus, who is saying hello from Holland, the Netherlands. That's right, right there in the middle of everything. Jill, I would love to come and see your country. It's one of my top visit places uh, on my to-do list. So thank you so much for listening to us. And top fan Alfonso Antonio Criales Belbo is saying hello from Bolivia. That's right, Bolivia. I cannot say that we have had a Bolivian listener say hello to us before. I have to check my list to double check, but uh, that feels like a new one to me, boys. So uh, that's pretty special. So hello, Alfonso, and live long and prosper to you, sir. Charles, who would you like to say hello to? I think I'm right. I think think you are. Bolivia is totally new. Okay. Let me go through a couple lists. Let's try Fuel Flex. From Stewart, Florida, Martin, Colorado. I'm not exactly sure what he meant by that. Juliet Allen from San Antonio, Texas. Terrence Murray from Babylon, New Jersey. Tara Huffman from Ohio. Top fan John Murray from Meridian, uh, Meridian, um, yeah. Connecticut. 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 I'm trying to say Kentucky. Connecticut. <laughs> Top fan Paul Moorhead from Alabama. Sean Allen D. Esquire from Atlanta, Georgia. And Top fan Aurora Ella uh, Abasolo Rambono. From Stockton, California. Hope you're staying dry, Aurora. Eric, who's on Paul's list? We're going to pivot back over to Europe and say hello to Ben Neufenhuisen from Brisbane in Queensland, Australia. That's not Europe, but a German name there for sure. So hello, Ben. Thank you so much for saying hello to us from Australia. Hello as well to Yusuf Bajusnes. He's from Hungary, but in spirit, he's American, and especially from Bozeman, Montana, and San Francisco, California. Good choices, Yosef. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to us, and yes, I get both those references. Yeah. <laughs> Laura Leone, we're saying hello to you. You are from Buenos Aires in Argentina, way down in the other continent, or the other uh, hemisphere. I would love to go to Argentina, honestly. It's one of those countries that just fascinates me. Culture, food, weather, like it sounds really, really interesting. Beautiful mountains and stuff. So hello, Laura. Thank you for saying hello to us. And top fan Jojo Astenero from Manila in the Philippines. Jojo, thank you so much for listening to us. And as a top fan, we know that you're one of those ones who interacts with us more than most on Facebook page, and we always appreciate that. So thanks very much, Jojo. Jim, I know you want to say hello to some New Yorkers. Absolutely. We have top fan Mike Thomas from Corum, New York. I'm not familiar with Corum. Actually, I will have to look it up and see where Quorum, New York is. But uh, he's a top fan, so kapla. Thank you for listening to Mike Thomas. We all want to give a shout-out to Rebecca Ebby, 
who's in South Bend, Indiana. Thank you for listening. We have another top fan, Rita Stein Schwartz, who's previously from New York, but now lives in North Carolina. So thank you for listening. And last but not least on my list, we want to say thank you and kapla to Lonnie Wright from Odessa, Texas, right here in the U.S. of A. And again, guys, if you'd like to hear your name mentioned on a fan shout-out, just head over to our Facebook page. It's quick, easy, and painless. You can get there from trektalking.com. That's right, trektalking.com. And you will see a link to our Facebook page. And just pop on over there and tell us where you're listening from. It's quick, it's easy, it's painless, and it's fun. All right, guys, that wraps up our fan shout-outs. And now it's time for Star Trek Birthdays. All right, guys, we always start off our Star Trek birthdays by remembering those members of our Star Trek family who, sadly enough, are no longer with us. And for that, we turn to Eric. Yeah, Jim, our very first uh, remembrance this week goes out to actor Victor Tabak, who portrayed Jojo Krako in the TOS episode, A Piece of the Action, one of those classic gangster episodes. Vic, to me, looks like a gangster. Um, He was actually an actor of Syrian Arabic descent, but born in New York City. Um, That was his only Star Trek appearance, made an uncredited appearance way back in 1966, just before this, uh, for his first uh, film appearance. So just right there in that same time period. Um, Later would go on to appear in T.J. Hooker with William Shatner, and uh, a few other films. He actually co-starred with Robert Picardo, who we know, of course, as the doctor from Voyager, in a comedy called Loverboy, which I have not seen yet. Apparently, this movie also features Kirstie Alley, who we're going to be talking about in just a little bit. Tayback also did a little bit of voiceover work back in the day in the movie All Dogs Go to Heaven. So Victor Tayback would have had a birthday this week. Happy birthday, Vic. And don't forget, happy... don't yeah. don't forget, kiss my grits. Yeah. You got to mention that if you if you grew up in the seventies, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Tell us all about it, Jim. Yeah, he he of course played Mel. Uh, he owned Mel's yep. Diner on the TV show Alice. Alice. And, uh, I can't mm-hmm. remember the, the character. Um, she had a big red bun on her hair. I can't remember the character's name, but she ran oh. around saying, "It's Agria." She did. Was it, she did. And, was it? Yeah, Mel? she did. And Mel was, was the cook. Yeah. That sounds right. About right. Yeah. I think it was Flo. And uh, if you grew up in the '70s, you heard "Kiss Margaret." That was from the show <laughs> Alice. So. You or you heard, or you heard Vic Tayback complaining about something from behind the grill. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, happy birthday, Vic. Uh, we we do miss you, man. Uh, happy birthday as well to, honestly, one of my idols. Um, I could not believe it when I saw him appear in the Next Generation episode, Descent. I was like, that cannot possibly be him. Oh, wait, it has to be him because there is only one 
and only Stephen Hawking. And he has Star Trek cred behind him. And if you don't know who Stephen Hawking is, you probably should read just a little bit more. Um, he is one of the premier scientists of the 20th and 21st century. Um, you want to talk about gravity. You want to talk about relativity. You want to talk about astronomy. You want to talk about mass and planets. Uh, this is your guy. Um, it's amazing what this man accomplished in his lifetime, uh, confined to a wheelchair, uh, unable to speak on his own, but having to use kind of a computer to uh, speak for him. And that voice has now kind of become, in my mind's eyes, synonymous with Stephen Hawking when you hear that voice now. Mm -hmm. um, there are actually two Starfleet shuttlecraft uh, aboard the USS Enterprise D named after him. There's a Type 7 and a Galileo Type. Uh, shuttle that are shown in a couple of different uh, episodes, well, one episode actually, in the episode The Host, one of them appears, and in Star Trek Generations, another one appears, so he's definitely homaged through the naming of some, some ships. And the other thing that I think is really cool is that um, in a lot of ways, Data kind of idolizes Stephen Hawking. Um, in fact, the Star Trek Encyclopedia says that um, Hawking developed a quantum theory of gravity in which he sought to link the two major themes of physics, quantum mechanics, and relativity. Hawking also speculated on the existence of wormholes and quantum fluctuations linking multiple universes. Sound familiar? Hawking's scientific achievements mm -hmm. were all the more remarkable because he was afflicted with a debilitating neural disease that kept him confined to a wheel wheelchair, unable to speak, only the aid of a speech synthesizer. And in fact, the data connection is that data in All Good Things is uh, the chair of the uh, uh, astronomy department. I'm looking through my notes here. He basically holds the same position at Cambridge University that Stephen Hawking held while he was alive, which I just think is such a very cool connection between data and Stephen Hawking. So yeah. sorry, I, sorry I've gone on a little bit about Stephen Hawking, but he's just one of my heroes, and he would have had a birthday this week. And I just really, really appreciate the fact that they were able to get him into Star Trek in a really cool scene with Sir Isaac Newton and you know Albert Einstein uh, playing cards. Uh, like, that's so cool. So Eric, <laughs> yeah. Also credited, also credited, the only Star Trek actor to play themselves. There you go. Yep, absolutely. The only one who was actually referred to as himself. Yeah. Good call, Charles. Yeah. <laughs> so cool. Well, anyway. Yeah. Happy birthday, Stephen Hawking. Uh, I I miss your brain. I've read a lot of your books, um, and uh, just like really really, really a special person. So happy birthday. Uh, moving on, we're also going to say happy birthday this week to Basil Calvert Langdon, who played the Banjo Man, a.k.a. the Caretaker, in the pilot episode of Voyager, also called Caretaker. Uh, unfortunately, we lost him way back in 2003, but he was 91 years old when we lost him, which is pretty special. Um, he began his career way back in the 1930s, and a special fact I found about him was 1941, uh, during World War II, he was unable to participate in the military because he had asthma. So he actually began touring Britain as part of the Traveling Repertory Theater, a theater which he founded. This company performed for the troops 
in locales ranging from bombed cities to churches. So this man did some hard work in Europe back in the 40s. 40s, moved to the U.S., started his acting career here, and was known on television in General Hospital, Highway to Heaven, Murphy Brown, Wings, um, made his final television appearance back in 1997. So Basil Calvert-Linden, what a career, what a story, uh, what a long and and influential life. Uh, lost back in 2003. Happy birthday, Basil. Also saying happy birthday this week to actress Jane Ross, who played Tamoon in the TOS episode The Gamesters of Triskelion. Uh, she does not have a ton of acting credits to her, uh, to her credit, but, um, she had a couple of small parts in a couple of movies back in the fifties. One cool thing that I thought was neat about her though, was that actually in the lower decks episode An embarrassment of duplers, if you haven't noticed this, go look for it. A framed photograph of Tamoon Galt and Shana was among several other displayed on the walls of the bar in Starbase 25. So Jane Ross made a posthumous uh, appearance on Lower Decks, which I think is very cool. Unfortunately, we lost her way back in 1985 at the young age of uh, 53 years old. Jane Ross would have had a birthday this week. Also, happy birthday and to Fred. I, yeah, I, really I really like the way she said, cheek off. Yeah. <laughs> she, she said it uh, a, a very yes. Yeah, she said it a very yeah. strange way. Yeah, her and Chekhov had a I mean that whole episode is about her and Chekhov kind of hanging out and you know learning about each other and she does she says that name Chekhov and at first you kind of wonder if she's an Orion cuz she's got that like yellowish greenish kind of skin but she's not. Totally different race. So uh happy birthday Jane Ross. Happy birthday as well to Francine Pine, who played Nancy Crater as she appeared to the crewman Darnell in the TOS episode, The Man Trap. Uh, Francine Pine uh, was lost also fairly early in her life, aged 55 back in 1995. And in the closing credits of The Man Trap, she's actually listed as having played Nancy the Third. So for whatever reason, that is her official character name. Um, she had a relatively short-lived film and television career from 1964 to 1966 and then had a brief comeback in 1970 with a couple of things. Um, but that, not too much to her credit as an actress. She had other priorities in life. So Francine Pine would have had a birthday this week. Happy birthday to you, Francine. Happy birthday to a legend, an absolute legend, Angela Patton. Uh, who were fortunate to have uh, in Star Trek through the Voyager episode Caretaker, she portrayed Aunt Ada, the hologram character who sort of, uh, you know, makes the the crew feel comfortable <laughs> with what's happening. Um, this woman is a very prolific guest star and television actor. Uh, people refer to her as a natural comic, one of the legends of the local stage in San Francisco. Um, she's a veteran of the American Conservatory Theater and spent a number of years um, being involved with that organization. She has appeared in 38 films and over 50 television series. Uh, and then she also has appeared, of course, myriad times on stage, including her 2014 role in the Broadway play Harvey. Um, so many credits, I can't even get started. I mean, we're talking X-Files, JAG, 
um, stuff from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Uh, unfortunately, lost at the ripe old age of 86 back in 2016. Angela Patton would have had a birthday this week, so happy birthday to her. Happy birthday to Mitchell Ryan, who played Kyle Riker in the TNG episode, The Icarus Factor. Um, Kyle, uh, excuse me, uh, excuse me, Mitchell, <laughs> I apologize. Uh, Mitchell Ryan was actually an early contender for the role of Captain Jean-Luc Picard, which I found fascinating. I sort of can imagine his face as the captain of a ship. Uh, he seems to fit right in. Um, so that was fascinating to me to learn. Um, he was in a lot of other movies that you would have seen. He was in Hot Shots New. He was in Liar, Liar. Um, he was in Halloween, the Michael Myers, which I know uh, Jim is definitely a fan of. Tons of guest television appearances through the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Um, and last appeared just in 2021. And in fact, we just lost Mitchell back last March at the age of 88. So Mitchell Ryan would have had a birthday this week, lost just last year, less than a year ago. Happy birthday, Mitchell. Uh, yeah, he plays, finish, uh, he plays yeah. Dr. Wynn in Halloween. And, of course, he, uh, he was Riker's father on uh, in TNG as well. Yeah, yep, absolutely. So, uh, Kyle Riker is actually William's father, in case That's you didn't right. make that connection. You, the last name wasn't the clue, right? <laughs> uh, well, our last two remembrances are, are heavy hitters here, Jim. Uh, our, our next to last one goes out to Kirsty Alley, who would have had a birthday this week. Uh, anybody who's been following along knows that we just lost Kirsty Alley last December at the age of 71. She was most famous in Star Trek for playing Savick in Star Trek Three. But most people know her from Cheers. Um, that's definitely where uh, Rebecca Howe, her character, made her name and where she got so much facial recognition from 1987 to 1993, where she won an Emmy, was nominated for four Emmys, won a Golden Globe uh, after receiving three nominations. Um, and then, you know, guest starred in a few other things, but uh, other stuff that uh, I I haven't seen, but uh, apparently there's a series called Veronica Chase, or excuse me, uh, Veronica's Closet, where she plays a character named Veronica Chase, which is um, fairly, fairly famous, uh, and she appeared in all the episodes. Uh, and then she's also known from the movies from the late 80s, the, the Look Who's Talking movies. Those were a lot of fun. Uh, I really enjoyed those. So... Kirstie Alley playing Savick, um, lots of interesting stuff about her and why she didn't play Savick in Star Trek Three is available on the internet if you care to go out and check that out. So happy birthday and love and remembrances going out to Kirstie Alley. And our very last remembrance of this week, guys, goes out to another heavy hitter as far as I'm concerned, lost just back in 2019. It's hard for me to believe that it's been three and a half years since we lost Aaron Eisenberg. Um, at the very young age of 50 years old, uh, the actor who portrayed Nog in Deep Space Nine uh, was lost to us. He also reprised that role in Star Trek Online uh, in the season 10 mission Time in a Bottle, and then also appeared in season 10, The Iconian War for that game. Um, Aaron had a couple of other small Star Trek roles. He played a Kazon on Voyager's episode Initiations, 
He played a news vendor uh, in the episode Far Beyond the Stars in DS9, and he also played a Holosuite guest in the episode What You Leave Behind. Uh, anyone who knows anything about uh, Aaron Eisenberg knows that uh, due to a kidney transplant when he was a teenager, uh, his growth was stunted at five feet tall, which made him absolutely perfect to portray uh, a Ferengi. And I would say, in my opinion, one of the most, one of the best Ferengi <laughs> of all time uh, in, in Star Trek. We're talking about, of course, the nephew of Quark, uh, the son of Rom, uh, the one who goes on to become the first Ferengi in Starfleet. Very, very special character. Um, Aaron Eisenberg also appeared with Will Wheaton in a movie called The Liars Club back in the 90s, which was kind of fun. He also appeared in the late 80s movie Beverly Hill Breath with Whoopi Goldberg. Uh, so some other outside Star Trek kind of crossovers there. Um, unfortunately, lost the heart failure uh, the very same day as original series actors Jack Donner and Sid Haig, uh, 21st of September 2019. So Aaron Eisenberg, we miss you, brother. We loved your character. Uh, Nog was amazing. We love having the USS Nog in Star Trek Discovery. Love and remembrances going out to Aaron Eisenberg. And that, guys, is what? our list of remembrances for this week. Well, and just to bring up the story... Aaron Eisenberg was actually a fan of our page, and I talked to him at Star I talked to him at the last Star Trek convention he met, went to in Las Vegas, and told him we would really love him to have him on our on our podcast. And he said, "Get a hold of me. I'll if I can find time, I'll do it." And at the time he passed away, we were tr- we were doing attempts to see if we can get him on our show. Yes, I so, actually so did close. reach out to him, and we did make contact, and it was in the works. Unfortunately, it was never meant to be. So close, yet so, so far away. Sadly enough. <clears throat> All right, Charles, hit us. All right. All right, I don't have a lot of detail, a lot of my actors, but Haley Todd portrayed Lal in TNG's episode, The Offspring. I'm sure we're very familiar with the character Lal. Jonathan Farwell portrayed Captain Walker Keel in TNG's episode, Conspiracy. John Delman played... Linares Holm in DS9's episode Shakar. Marco Sanchez played Corporal M. Romero in Star Trek Enterprise's episode The Zindi. He also appeared to torpedo, torpedo security in Star Trek Into Darkness. Didn't get a lot of detail because a lot of people had just a lot of general roles. Mm, shows we have heard, not many. And then Amelia Crow played Zuri in Star Trek's Deep Space Nine episode, Rules of Acquisition. Interesting that DS9 was her last role that she played. She'd only been in a few roles 
and stopped acting after that. I'm not sure what he got into afterwards. I think Paul might be on the line, and he wants to talk about a few people. <laughs> hey, fishes, what's going on? Welcome, buddy. Welcome to the show. You know, it's great nice to have to you. From you guys. You know, if you look really closely at the fine print at the bottom of the United Federation of Planets flag, it says better late than never. And <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of how things are this week, Fred. So thanks for uh, allowing my late arrival to be included on the show. It's great. So uh, right in time for birthday time. Very, very impressed with your reaction to the Saru. Yes. Oh, did you guys get to listen to that? I don't even know. Oh, you're going to have to go back and listen to the show, Paul. It was a oh, good. You got to play that, then. That's great. And you're, I'm sorry to miss the guy. De- you're going to have yeah. some details you're going to want to hear about. Yeah. Excellent. Well, he, he was, was he, uh, he's making a great product. That's all I know. Yeah. And he surprised us when he told us, and, and Eric had to send us pictures, not only did the top of the phaser come off, but the magazine came out as well, and the bottom of the tricorder has a removable scanner, uh, which Eric wasn't able to get off, but he did pull out the cartridge on the on the phaser. Excellent. So, wow, that's great, man. That's so cool. Wow. So we yeah. have more depth to plumb that we didn't even know about. That's great. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, very cool. I'm sorry to miss uh, getting a chance to chat with the gentleman. So uh, I am looking forward to going back and hearing what he has to say. So. But yeah. let me jump in here in the interest of uh, of uh, linear time and uh, do some of the birthdays that we have going on here, because I seem to have lucked out and have some great ones on here this week. Uh, to start with, happy birthday to the great unsung Mark Allen Shepard. And who the Ooh. heck is that? You're saying, who's who's Mark Allen Shepard? Well, Deep Space <laughs> Nine fans, Deep Space Nine fans, you're talking about Mourn, okay? Legendary... Yeah. Close the bar down, pass out on the floor, mourn, okay, who is the uh, Lurian freighter captain that we all know and love. Of course, his name is an homage acronym to the great norm of Cheers because that's what Morn was on Deep Space Nine. He was the, you know, ubiquitous guy, the bar fly who never leaves, the guy who's always there to close the joint down, mourn, okay? Yes, there was a mourn action figure. Yes, I do have him. And yes, I have nothing but undying affection for Mark Allen Shepard's portrayal of that fabulous guy. So happy birthday, brother. I hope you're in a bar somewhere tonight having a great time and, uh, uh, you know, enjoying uh, the enduring legacy that you will always be part of the Star Trek universe. So how cool is that, friends? And I'm going to try to do this next one, um, but it's not easy for me sometimes to say cool <laughs> because it's not, especially when this kind of stuff's going on. But there are some bright lights in the science fiction universe, and oh my God, one of them is the legendary Michelle Forbes, okay, who is certainly an enduring part of the Star Trek universe because of her role as Bajoran Starfleet officer, rebellious Rolaren on the next gen. And I, I sometimes find myself wishing, boy, I sure hope we have not seen the last of Rolaren. Because uh, I would love to see that character show up on, I don't know, season three of Picard, maybe? I don't know. Uh, or some other incarnation. But that is an indelible character who's, who's 
final resolution was a mystery. We never really found out what happened to Roland, and boy, would I like to know. I would really like to know if Michelle Forbes is the person that's telling us, because she is an iconic actor. Um, she's made a great, indelible impression with Roland, but she's also been in any number of science fiction uh, and uh, thriller uh, parts of the franchises out there. Most memorably for me, um, in Battlestar Galactica as Admiral Helena Kane and the uh, the additional Galactica movie Razor, where she played the same character again. Uh, but she is a formidable presence, friends, and I will confess to having a, a little bit more of a, a you know, uh, admiration for this, this actor. She's been An actor crush. Let's just be honest. It's a crush. It's okay. Yeah, it's, it's, okay. it's, it's some people you just really, you know, okay. I gotta, I'm, you know, I'm a married man. I got to be careful. Um, uh, she was in John Carpenter's Escape from L.A. She was in The Great California with a K uh, with David Duchovny and on the, the, the series True Blood where she played Marianne Forrester uh, quite memorably. But she is one of the greatest actresses alive, if you want my opinion. Um, super formidable and absolutely uh, unforgettable. She's been on New Amsterdam. She's been on Grey's Anatomy. She has been on any number of things, including like uh, the Hunger Games Mockingjay uh, franchise as well. Um, absolutely profoundly talented, um, and I, I hope she always continues to lend her talents to uh, science fiction as well. But um, I'm always going to think of her as Roll Aaron. I have an autographed picture of Michelle Forbes in my collector room that is one of the three uh, autographs that I carry amongst the most iconic characters of science fiction. So that'll tell you something. But she's amazing. Happy birthday, wherever you may be, Madam Forbes. And may you please grace our screens again very soon. We all love you here at Track Talking. Happy birthday also goes out to Shari Nims, who played Sayana in the classic episode, uh, The Apple of the original series. And if you watch the original series, this is the one where uh, everyone's on this planet and there's a big dinosaur head carved out of the side of a mountain and uh, good old David soul from Susky and Hutch is on there. And uh, Sayana is like this kind of like super sixties hippie chick, right? Where she's got more flowers weaved into her hair than the, the Bouchard gardens on Vancouver Island. I mean, she's out of control. She is the, you know, ubiquitous eponymous hippie chick and uh, what you should all be striving for if you were on the Apple planet. So, And she kind of creates calm and love and uh, harmony amidst all the chaos and sort of says, you know, maybe we don't really need this big dinosaur statue on the side of a mountain if we can all kind of just do our thing together, if you know what I'm saying. So I think you played that really well, Shari Nims, and uh, thanks for being part of the original series uh, Magic that will never be forgotten in the Apple. Also, happy birthday to uh, Stan Ivar, who played Mark Johnson in the Star Trek Voyager pilot episode, Caretaker, which uh, a lot of Voyager fans coming out of the woodwork these days, what with uh, the great popularity of Prodigy. So it's a great time to refamiliarize yourself with Caretaker and how Voyager began. And finally for me, happy birthday goes out to Sam Richardson, who voiced Vendome in the Star Trek's Lower Decks episode, Temporal Edict and Stars at Night. And those are my happy birthdays as we cruise into the uh, amazing magic that is the month of January here. I'm betting there's at least one Klingon in our future, though. 
if you if you're really careful, you may find out. Let's find out who's celebrating a birthday with our good friend Uncle Jim. Yes, I do have a I, I have two Klingons, uh, but first we want to say happy birthday to Rachel Emily Nichols, who appeared as the Orion Starfleet Cadet Gaila in Star Trek 2009. Now, if you guys have the DVD and you saw the extra footage, the deleted scene, uh, there's a scene where Captain Kirk tells her go to this computer terminal at this particular time and put in this disc and, and get a message from me. And she goes and does it. And she's actually the one that shuts down and reprograms the Kobayashi Maru so that Captain Kirk can beat it. It was her that did it. And I wish they had left that scene, that deleted scene in the movie. Uh, but if you have the DVD, check it out. So happy birthday to Rachel Emily Nichols. We also want to say happy birthday to James A. Grzalski, who appeared as Don Juan in the TOS episode, Shore Leave. That's another classic episode that I think most Star Trek fans would say is amongst the best. And uh, we want to say happy birthday to Ivar Brogar, who played Orum in Star Trek Voyager's third season episode, Unity. He was one of the... Um, the, the Borg that weren't part of the collective. They were kind of like a um, uh, voluntary collective, but not a slave collective. They kind of just hung out and party type of a deal. So happy birthday to Ivan. Yeah, he was we actually also wanna... a Romulan. Sorry, he was actually a Romulan citizen in that episode. And there's some cool like Romulan Borg uh, crossovers that some people forget about from that episode. So you should go back and watch it again. Yeah, that was that was a, that was definitely a uh, a really cool one. We also want to say happy birthday to Roddick Gar, who played Regatas in the DS9 episode Hippocratic Oath, which was which was another good one. Hey, would you be quiet? <laughs> My God, there's a war going on in the room next door here. Uh, we also. We want to get down to some of my Klingons here. We want to say happy birthday to Matt Malloy, who will play Grish in the Star Trek Enterprise episode Acquisition. And I think the biggest Klingon on my list, we want to say Kabla to Sherman Augustus, who played uh, Hija in the Star Trek Voyager episode Barge of the Dead. That's one of my favorite Voyager episodes, uh, Barge of the Dead. So that wraps up our birthdays, guys. And that pretty much brings us right up to the end of the show. Can you believe it? Um, what a show, just, man. It was such a treat to talk to yeah. David for so long and to have him be able to provide so many details. Paul, I can't wait for you to listen back to this show, man, because you're going to get a lot of fill-in on what we were chatting about. Yeah, in particular what those little clips do and what, what they form when you clip them all together. That's right. That's the yeah. most important part. Mm-hmm. That was, that was <laughs> Yeah, David was great, and he really he really enjoyed hearing your honest opinion to opening up Saru for the first time, which was really cool. So that was awesome. I just I gotta let you guys know I just got a text from Aaron Walke, who, as you guys know, is a head writer for Star Trek Prodigy, and we had him scheduled for the twenty sixth to come on and talk with us about Prodigy. Now that the season's over. There's a lot of things he couldn't talk about when we had him on before. Unfortunately, though, 
he has an NDA with Paramount, and he's not allowed to do any interviews or any public speaking about Star Trek Prodigy until episode 11 through 20 airs on Nickelodeon. Oh, no. When did that happen? (laughs) I know. It just happened five minutes ago. (laughs) I mean, when when do those air? When when, when does that NDA expire? uh, That's a good question. Uh, I don't know. Let me uh, me see. Uh, uh, And figure if they're out there. I heard back from Paramount, my NDA. Hopefully he provided that info in his email, I would think, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, uh, we can we can always schedule that up later, but that's that's kind of a unfortunate uh but but understandable plot twist. pivot, yeah, plot twist. There you go. Yeah, he so. says it's going to be it'll be a couple of months he says before okay. he'll be able to do interviews. But he apologizes and he said we're definitely on his list. So um, he will be able to join us, just not on the 26th, unfortunately. So I had to let well, you that guys gives know us, that. Well, that gives us one more week to talk about comics, Jim. That's true. That's very, very true. So um, with that bad news out of the way, <laughs> I want to say thank you so much to David. David, for coming on. David Stephan from X06. And thank you so much for supplying us with a Saru to review which Paul and Eric had a good time doing. And uh, we really appreciate that. So thank you so much to David and X06. I also want to say thank you to Paul for uh, hanging out and doing some birthdays with us and for doing that awesome review with Eric in your toy cave of Mr. Saru. So thank you. Thank you so much, Paul. Oh, dude, it was a pleasure. And I mean, got to see the literally the greatest Saru figure ever made. I hope that uh, our guest appreciated the fact that I that I loved it. I hope there was no ambiguity there, that it was an amazing uh, creation. And I got to talk about Michelle Forbes for a few minutes. So you know, things, things are looking up. <laughs> and, you know, speaking of Michelle Forbes, um, I remember going to the theater to see Escape from L.A. and, like, thinking, this is the worst movie I've ever seen in my entire life. This is just absolutely terrible. Oh, no. And, Can't say that about a John was, Carpenter movie, man. Come on. <laughs> well, you know what? I got to tell you, I I pulled it out the other day and watched it. And I said, you know what? This movie, you know, now that it's, you know, what is it, 25 years later? Um, I sat back and I watched it and I said, it's not as bad as I remember it being when I saw it the first time. In fact, I found it refreshing to see Snake Plissken back in action again. So it wasn't as bad as I... I mean, at some point they're going to make another one of those. You just know it, man. But uh, you know who I like in that movie too, uh, without running over too much, but uh, Bruce Campbell is the Surgeon General of Beverly Hills. He's great. That's right. (laughs) That's hilarious. That's right. He is. I forgot. That's right. He is. Yep. He wants Always to take Snake Plissken's good eye. You know. <laughs> that was good. Yeah. So I, I did. That's I love Escape from New York. It's one of my favorite movies, and I couldn't wait to see Escape from L.A. And it just didn't hold up to Escape from New York. But <clears throat> watching several decades later, I really enjoyed it. So give it a chance. I think. Oh, you guys Larry, like it. that's great, man. That's great. <laughs> 
And uh, also, we want to say thank you so much to our very own Charles for hanging out and Trek talking with us. Thank you, Charles. Oh, thank you. That interview just now I got I'm looking around. It's like I'm trying to find a Michael. I'm not having much luck finding a Michael. I might have to wait until that uh, warehouse reopens and pick her up then. Yeah. See a Saru, yeah. but I don't see a Michael. Yeah, I had a choice when when he when David texted me. He says, "Well, I have a Saru, and I have a Q here." And I said, "Well, you know, you're sending it oh, to oh, Eric and yeah. Paul. Got to be a Saru." Yeah. Um, so. I made the choice for you guys of Saru. <laughs> so there you have it. I just thought Saru would be a better character to review because, you know, in, you know, mm-hmm. in his head and stuff like that, I thought it would be a better figure for you guys to review. So that's why. Yeah, more was. diversity. It's yeah. So. And I also want to say thank you so much to our very own Eric for joining us and Trek Talk with us tonight and for that awesome uh, review with Paul. So thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. That was a blast. And uh, double-check that website, uh, Charles, because uh, I see Michael Burnham in her blue uniform no, available I, immediately. Exosex. I see Michael available. I see Michael available in the store in their store. Uh huh. I was looking at anybody else, so I might be able to get it sooner. Oh, and oh. I don't see her. Well, and that's what David was saying was that many of these things, if they are not uh-huh. in stock, it may take. Uh, what did he say? He said four to six months, I believe, is what he said, because a lot of this is pre-order. It's custom-made. Um, so, you know, th- there's a certain number of these that they print, and then when they don't print anymore, you can order it, but it takes a minute to get it. So, yeah. Have to see. Yeah, he said the only figures that, that they uh, made first were the Kirk and Spock from the motion picture set those ones they produced before they pre-ordered them. So those should be on the shelves and available. Yep. But the rest yep. of them, you know, good But luck. you're just talking about a, a different level of figure here. You're just talking about, right, you got to plan ahead. When you purchase one of these things, you're looking to add to your collection, um, and you've probably already got a nice collection going. So, And i gotta, I got to do my Star Trek V tie-in, guys. Um, I post here we go here we go I posted the article from XO6 on the new Spock in the Culinar outfit and obviously the fans were pointing out that this is not the outfit he wore during Culinar this is the outfit he wore when he arrived on the Enterprise when he failed his Culinar and if you look at it it's it's Spock in Culinar arrival so this is the outfit he wore when he arrived on the Enterprise but if you go back and you watch what he's wearing in the Culinar scene, it's the same outfit that Cybok wears in the beginning of Star Trek V. So Spock is sporting his Culinar robes while he's brainwashing everybody, which I thought was pretty cool. Ooh, that's you know, kind of meta. I like that. Is he flicking his thumb at the Vulcan? <laughs> he's like, I will not, I will not be a Vulcan, but I will pretend to be a Vulcan in my robes. <laughs> I will wear my robes as I brainwash people in the desert. <laughs> yep. Anyways, guys, uh, we had a really great time tonight, and I hope you guys enjoyed uh, the podcast as well. It was a lot of fun putting it together, and it was a lot of fun hearing Eric and Paul and their first reaction to the Saru figure. So, uh, yeah, head over to trucktalking.com. We'd love to have you give us a like and give us a follow. 
And as always, Star Trek fans are the best fans. You better believe it. So stay safe and be good to each other. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Live long and prosper. Good night, friends. Have a good night. Let's see what's out there. Engage. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.